Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. Well, we are continuing and sort of winding down our series titled, Watch Your Mouth. And today, we're going to kind of almost pick up exactly where we left off, because I have a lot to cover. Um, The last time we were together, though, we talked a little bit about how people have to be very, they have to make sure they're watching their mouth when they are even talking to the father, because people have a tendency, you know, to feel as if they can make deals with the Lord. Like, you know, um, father, if you get me out of this jam, I'll do so and so and so. And, you know, Lord, if you just make this happen, I'll do this and that. And all of us who are believers, and I would think everybody knows, but hopefully seasoned believers especially know, that God is not someone that you have to bargain with. He loves you past all of your challenges. He loves you just that much. You don't have to bargain with him. He's already done everything for you. Anything that you need is already there. All you have to do is just ask. It is just that simple. So with that, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Proverbs, the 10th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 31 and 32. Now, again, many people who know me know that I give you different translations. But I'm going to explain, I have to, I have to do this because it's something that uh, some people may not appreciate the different translations. However, I have countless people, more than I can name, who come up to me and thank me for the different translations. Because you see, what speaks to one may not speak to another. And the whole purpose of the translations is because in all of our getting, what are we supposed to get? Understanding. So if the translation is gonna help you understand it, then I've done what I've been instructed to do. So for those of you who don't need the different translations, praise the Lord. Maybe you just get it all and that's a wonderful thing. But then there's some of us, me, <laughs> I like and appreciate the different translations. So that's what I sh- why I share it. Now I'm gonna get, take care of another little housekeeping detail. There are some people who want to know, why do we give so many scriptures? I'm going to answer why I do. I can't talk about everybody else, but I can talk about why I do. I went to a church for a quarter of my life where the word was spoken in a, what they called a text, which might as well have been a text message, actually didn't have as many characters as the text message, okay? The pastor would get up, say something in a text, close this beautiful ornate Bible, shove it underneath the pulpit, and go into what I now know was nothing more than a wonderful week show. And as a result of that, not only was I not saved, even though I thought I was, just think about that. I went through a large majority of my life believing that I was saved and born again, and I was not, 
okay? So the text messaging or the little text that they were giving me did not work. He never opened it up and no one ever opened it up and showed me Romans 10, 9, and 10. So I never knew anything about what the word said. And my life reflected that because I struggled and <laughs> borrowing a line from the apostle, my struggles had struggles. And I know what it's like not to have. I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to be disgusted. I know what it's like to not have faith. I know what it's like not to have hope. I know what it's like to just wake up and can't wait to go to sleep because I don't want to go through the day and can't wait until the next day ends. I know all of that, but you see, when I got a hold of the word, when I got a hold of the scriptures, not just because the apostle said them, but I opened up the book for myself and I found out what was in it, my life forever changed. And my job is to make sure that I'm sharing that with you so that perhaps there is a word that will change your life forever. So if you aren't comfortable with it, you don't have to turn, just listen. It can be like story time for you. It's fine. I don't mind. But I want you to understand why we share the scriptures that we do. So with that being said, hopefully by now you're at Proverbs 10. <laughs> and we're going to look at verses 31 to 32. And in the New King James Version, it says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked is what is perverse. The Living Bible puts it this way, The good man gives wise advice, but the liar's counsel is shunned. The upright speak what is helpful, the wicked speak rebellion. Hmm. The easy to read says, those who live right say wise things, but people stop listening to troublemakers. Good people know the right things to say, but the wicked say things to make trouble. I'm sure we always know some people who are always stirring up trouble all around them. Gives you something to think about. And the message says, a good person's mouth is a clear fountain of wisdom. A foul mouth is a stagnant swamp. The speech of a good person clears the air. The words of the wicked pollute it. As I mentioned, watching our words is a process, and sometimes we do miss the mark. What does that mean? We simply give up? Certainly not. You never give up. You may find yourself in the midst, and this happens to a lot of us, in the midst of an intense attack where the enemy has created a challenge between you and another person. Now, it may, be, it may be someone in your family, I hope not. It may be a good friend, that's not good either. It could be a neighbor that you know. It could be a coworker. It could even be your supervisor at work. Has anyone ever occurred, had that occur to them? You know, where you're dealing with an intense attack? Oh, only one or two? Okay, well, praise the Lord. Someone who presents themselves as your enemy does happen sometimes. What are you supposed to do when that happens? How are you supposed to handle it? Well, if we look at Psalm 5, so I'm going to ask you to go there. Psalm 5, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 12. The Amplified Version says, O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight direct right before me, for there is nothing trustworthy or reliable or truthful in what they say. Their heart is destruction, just a treacherous chasm, a yawning gulf of lies. 
Their throat is an open grave. They glibly flatter with their silken tongue. Hold them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own designs and counsels. Cast them out because of the abundance of their transgressions, for they are mutinous and have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge and put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy, because you cover and shelter them. Let those who love your name be joyful and exult in you. For you, O Lord, bless the righteous man, the one who is in right standing with you. You surround him with favor as your shield. And the Living Bible says, Lord, let me, lead me as you promised me you would. Otherwise, my enemies will conquer me. Tell me clearly what to do, which way to turn. For they cannot speak one truthful word. Their hearts are filled to the brim with wickedness. Their suggestions are full of the stench of sin and death. Their tongues are filled with flatteries to gain their wicked ends. Oh God, hold them responsible. Catch them in their own traps. Let them fall beneath the weight of their own transgressions, for they rebel against you. But make everyone rejoice who puts his trust in you. Keep them shouting for joy because you are defending them. Fill all who love you with your happiness, for you bless the godly man, O Lord. You protect him with your shield of love. I think sometimes we forget that, and we try to take matters into our own hands, and we try to figure it out, and we try to think of what words we can glibly say back to folks. We don't need to do that. You have a father who will take care of everything for you if you just trust him, and you have to yield which means you have to make yourself take the back seat and let him go ahead on your behalf. But you have to be willing to do that. And sometimes we miss it and we're not. So let's look at how, how would David himself handle it? Let's see what he said when he was hiding in the wilderness of Judea. And that's in Psalm 2, but it's Psalm 63. So we're going to stay in the book of Psalms, but we're going to go to the 63rd verse. And if we look at it in the New King James, it says... Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me, but those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Now, how many of us would like to send some people into the lower parts of the earth? <laughs> okay, well, they shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory, but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. I really, really like that. Um, might as well. The Living Bible. Oh God, my God, how I search for you. How I thirst for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. How I long to find you. How I wish I could go into your sanctuary to see your strength and glory. For your love and kindness are better to me than life itself. 
How I praise you. I will bless you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. At last, I shall be fully satisfied. I will praise you with great joy. I lie awake at night thinking of you, of how much you have helped me, of how I rejoice through the night beneath the protecting shadow of your wings. I follow close behind you, protected by your strong right arm, but those plotting to destroy me shall go down to the depths of hell. They are doomed to die by the sword to become the food of jackals, but I will rejoice in God. All who trust in him exult while liars shall be silenced. To me, that really, really says it all. Um, I got to do this one. This is the message. I'm just going to read the last verse in the message. Well, the last, verses 9 through 11, that says, Those who are out to get me are marked for doom, marked for death, bound for hell. They'll die violent deaths. Jackals will tear them limb from limb. But the king is glad in God. His true friends spread the joy, while small-minded gossips are gagged for good. When you get the opportunity, read that whole psalm in the message. It breaks it down absolutely wonderful. So notice how in the midst of David's challenge, what did he do? He offered up sacrifices of praise. Sometimes you can be in the midst of a challenge where your praise does seem like a sacrifice. But I submit to you, do that. Still offer up sacrifices of praise because what we have to remember is it's praise that stills the avenger. So if you really want to stop the enemy from just attacking you, start praising the Lord and see what happens. You need, that's a weapon. Praise can also be a weapon. You need to go ahead and use that. So turn with me to Psalm 144, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 11. Psalm 144, verses 5 through 11. I'm going to share it first out of the New King James Version, and it says, Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Oftentimes we don't think. Why do you think if you really just examine Psalms? There are so many times when David is soliciting and asking for God's guidance, asking for God to rescue him, asking for God to help him. I think one of the challenges, perhaps, that we have as born-again, spirit-filled believers where the Godhead resides within us, David didn't even have that, we've gotten to a point where we just don't even bother to ask. He's right here. It's not even like we have to go through sacrifices to try to get his attention. All we have to do is talk to him, just like we're t we talk to each other. But it's like we forget to do that. 
We need to learn from what they did in the Old Testament. You can still learn from that because yes, you've got the better one because you're in the New Testament, but you can still learn from the history of what happened before. And the biggest thing to learn is how all of the people in the Old Testament lived their lives dependent every single day upon the God they served. We have the Godhead living within us and we keep putting him on the back burner because we got other things to do. Doesn't that seem a little strange to you? Well, hopefully it gives you pause and it will make you think about it a little bit. So this same Psalm 144 verses 5 through 11, I'm going to share it to you quickly out of the Living Bible. And it says, bend down the heavens, Lord, and come. The mountains smoke beneath your touch. Let loose your lightning bolts, your arrows, Lord, upon your enemies and scatter them. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Deliver me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are filled with lies. They swear to the truth and what is false. I will sing you a new song, O God, with a ten-stringed harp. For you grant victory to kings. You are the one who will rescue your servant David from the fatal sword. Save me, deliver me from these enemies, these liars, these treacherous men. Here's the point. David was a king and he sought the Lord for his rescue. We definitely ought to, instead of getting entangled with words that don't line up with the word and disagreements with people and having attitudes when we go into work, if we're dealing with a supervisor we don't prefer or a co-worker, we don't have to do all that. Don't, here's an expression that I live by. See, I got real excited when I realized that being a child of God, that I was in a royalty in a kingdom that's not of this world. And I recognize that I am seated with Jesus in the throne room of the Most High God. So here's something that I always tell myself, so I'm going to share it with you. Especially, you know, when you have those moments when you're right on that edge, when you just know you really want to say something, you know it's not right, but it's like right there, it's just about to come out. Don't you dare step out of the throne room. Because if you see yourself in that throne room, seated with Jesus, you wouldn't dare say that. So don't dare allow anybody to push you to the point of coming out of that throne room to say something that does not line up with the word. Amen? Amen. We are born again, spirit-filled Christians. We have a covenant relationship with the Most High God. He loves us and provides everything we could ever need or want. We just have to trust him and receive it by faith. No matter your station in life, I don't really care what it is. At this very moment, if you are a Christian, God has you in the palm of his hand and no one can snatch you out of it. And you know something? Nobody takes care of you better than God. Turn with me to Matthew. Matthew's gospel, and I'm sure you're very aware of this, but this is just to remind you of exactly, it's proving the point that I just made. Matthew 6, verses 30 through 33. If we look at it in the Amplified, it says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive and green today and tomorrow, is cut and thrown as fuel into the furnace, 
Will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted, saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But do not worry, for your heavenly, fathers, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first, and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. The message says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which have never even been seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And that is so, so true. It doesn't matter. Whatever you are dealing with, whatever you are facing, there are some people who are out looking for jobs, they're looking for work, and you should do your due diligence and do the things that you know you should do, but don't allow anything to create any kind of anxiety and stress in you because God's got you where? In the palm of his hand, and no one and nothing can pluck you out. Know that and be comfortable with that. Now let's look at Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 20 through 33, because this is interesting too. Proverbs 16, verses 20 through 33, and I'm going to share it first out of the Amplified. And it says, he who pays attention to the word of God will find good and blessed, happy, prosperous to be admired. He is he who trusts confidently in the Lord. See, that's a qualifier. You have to trust confidently in him. Now, sometimes we say we trust the Lord, but we are still up walking the floor trying to figure things out. That's not trusting him. That means you just, you know, I know sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, I guess. But if you really are trusting him, you go to sleep, you have sweet sleep, which is a promise of the beloved, and you know that he's got it handled. Picking up in verse 21, the wise in heart, will be called understanding, and sweet speech increases persuasiveness and learning in both speaker and listener. Understanding, spiritual insight, is a refreshing and boundless wellspring of life to those who have it. But to give instruction and corrections to fools is foolishness. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth in wisdom and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet and delightful to the soul and healing to the body. Notice that. Pleasant words are healing to the body. 
So if you are in a situation where all you're hearing is a bunch of negativity and you're speaking a bunch of negativity, that's not helping you either. That's not helping your physical flesh. So keep that in mind too. There is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its end is the way of death. The appetite of a worker works for him, for his hunger urges him on. A worthless man devises and digs up evil, and the words on his mouth are like a scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife, and one who gossips separates intimate friends. Oh, how well do we know that? Where you will have, you'll be sitting on the phone with somebody, and you know, you know you are not supposed to be entering into gossip, but you know, Sometimes you miss it and you just start running off at the mouth with a whole bunch of stuff and before you know it, you're talking about this one and that one and you don't realize that the very person that you're sharing this horrible stuff with gets off the phone with you and calls this one and that one and tells them what you've said. You've just created nothing but angst and torment and a mess. All because what? You didn't watch your mouth. A violent and exceedingly covetous man entices his neighbor to sin and leads him in a way that is not good. He who slyly winks his eye does, does so to plot perverse things. And he who compresses his lips as if in a secret signal brings evil to pass. The silver hair, this, this I, I gotta get to, the silver haired head is a crown of splendor and glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> so I'm still fighting the silver air. But anyway, he who is slow to anger is better and more honorable than the mighty soldier. And he who rules and controls his own spirit than he who captures a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And that's the thing that we have to understand. The very decision is from the Lord. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is when you have the opportunity, I want you to read this same, these same verses of scripture in, <sighs> read it in the easy to read when you have the opportunity, read it in the easy to read version. Because I really, I, oh, there's so much I want to get accomplished. Read it in the easy-to-read version. I am going to share it with you, though, out of the message. The message says it this way. It pays to take life seriously. Things work out when you trust in God. A wise person gets known for insight. Gracious words add to one's reputation. True intelligence is a spring of fresh water, while fools sweat it out the hard way. They make a lot of sense, these wise folks. Whenever they speak, their reputation increases. Gracious speech, speech is like clover honey. Good taste to the soul, quick energy for the body. There is a way that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Appetite is an incentive to work. Hunger makes you work all the harder. Mean people spread mean gossip. Their words smart and burn. Troublemakers start fights. Gossips break up friendships. Callous climbers betray their very own friends. They'll stab their own grandmothers in the back. A shifty eye betrays an evil intention. A clenched jaw signals trouble ahead. Gray hair is a mark of distinction, the award for a God-loyal life. 
Moderation is better than muscle. Self-control better than political power. Make your motions and cast your votes. But God has the final say. I love that. So again, when you get a chance, look at it in the easy to read, because I think you really will enjoy that as well. Now, it would be better for us to slow down and think before we speak. It is best to be led, how? By the Holy Spirit, as he will fill your mouth if you allow him to. But that's the qualifier. You have to allow him to do it. Now, think about this. Before you go into a meeting, say, for instance, you know, everybody has different types of meetings, but say you are going into a meeting in a boardroom with, you know, a lot of people who have say-so in your company or whatever the case may be. How do you just go? You just get up from your desk and just go fly into the boardroom? I don't think so. You usually prepare yourself before the meeting. You may go in with, you know, a, a pad and, and a pen so that you can take notes or at least look like you're going to take notes, you know. Um, a calendar you might take or a smartphone that's got a calendar, you know, on it. You may have some content that you want to express or present to them. When you get there, you plan on listening very well so that you can see how you can contribute and what is the right time for you to be able to share the content that you already prepared. Because you don't ever want to sound ignorant or like a fool, correct? Okay, so you would, some preparation is involved. Yet, you function in your daily life not preparing yourself and you just speak whatever comes off of your lips. Due to lack of preparation, your poor choice of words and the time in which you use them may cost you dearly simply because you were not conscious in watching your mouth. I submit to you, some people in that same meeting, if they went into the meeting and were not prepared, ended up having to wait on the promotion that they were believing for simply because they weren't prepared, they didn't watch their mouth, and all of the people were paying attention because see, people are watching everything that you do and say, whether you realize it or not, and you really should realize it in this time in which we're living, where even the celebrities are having challenges because they can't even eat breakfast and have the wrong thing because it's all out on social media for everybody to see. We're living in a right now generation where they see everything that you do, they hear everything that you say, so you have a responsibility to make sure that you do a better job of watching your mouth. Before you make or take a phone call, you should prepare yourself. If you receive an unexpected call, because you know, sometimes we don't know someone's gonna call, ask the Father to fill your mouth in Jesus' name. It is so simple to do. You know, before you pick up the phone, just say, Father, I thank you that you'll fill my mouth in Jesus' name. That takes, what, two seconds? Okay, but he'll honor that and he will do it so that you don't find yourself in a position where you're saying something that you should not say. Now, again, I recognize that this is a process. However, just like anything else, once you start doing it regularly, it becomes what? becomes a habit. So that's what we want. I submit to you and I promise you that it will prove to be valuable in your life. Now think about the fact that God sees us as Christians, as believers, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. That's how he sees us. So do you think as a joint heir with Christ that we should be careful in how we conduct ourselves, which most definitely includes our choice of words? Do you think maybe we should? Well, let's look at Proverbs, the 10th chapter, 
And we're going to look at verses 11 through 23. Proverbs 10, verses 11 through 23. And I'm going to share it with you out of the Living Bible first, where it says, there is, true, there is living truth in what a good man says, but the mouth of the evil man is filled with curses. Hatred stirs old quarrels, but love overlooks insults. Men with common sense are admired. As counselors, those without it are beaten as servants. A wise man holds his tongue. Only a fool blurts out everything he knows. That only leads to sorrow and trouble. The rich man's wealth is his only strength. The poor man's poverty is his only curse. The good man's earnings advance the cause of righteousness. The evil man squanders his on sin. That's a very good point. Anyone willing to be corrected is on the pathway to life. Anyone refusing has lost his chance. To hide hatred is to be a liar. To slander is to be a fool. Don't talk so much. You keep putting your foot in your mouth. Be sensible and turn off the flow. When a good man speaks, he is worth listening to, but the words of fools are a dime a dozen. A godly man gives good advice, but a rebel is destroyed by lack of common sense. The Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. All our work adds nothing to it. A fool's fun is being bad. A wise man's fun is being wise. If we look at this in the message, when you get chance, again, read it out of the easy to read. I'm sure you probably already have the New King James Version to read it, but read it out of the easy, easy to read version. That's another really good version. But I'm going to share it with you out of the message. And it says, the mouth of a good person is a deep life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. Hatred starts fights, but love pulls a quilt over the bickering. You'll find wisdom on the lips of a person of insight, but the short-sighted needs a slap in the face. The wise accumulate knowledge, a true treasure. Know-it-alls talk too much, a sheer waste. The wealth of the rich is their bastion. The poverty of the indigent is their ruin. The wage of a good person is exuberant life. An evil person ends up with nothing but sin. The road to life is a disciplined life. Ignore correction and you're lost for good. Liars secretly hoard hatred. Fools openly spread slander. The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. The speech of a good person is worth waiting for. The blabber of the wicked is worthless. The talk of a good person is rich fare for many, but chatterboxes die of an empty heart. God's blessing makes life rich. Nothing we can do, nothing we can do improve on God. A empty-headed thinks mischief is fun, but a mindful person relishes wisdom. That is something to really think about. Remember years ago, there used to be a commercial for E.F. Hutton, and their whole thing was when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. Okay, well, that was really, <laughs> they really were taking that in a way. Whoever marketed that was smart, because basically they were saying E.F. Hutton was offering 
wisdom. And he wasn't a chatterbox running around constantly talking. So the point is, that's something that all of us can learn from. We need to be very careful. If anything, the scriptures that I just read remind us that our word should be a gift when spoken. People should look forward to what we intend to share with them, not turn the other way, avoiding it and avoiding us. But sometimes we put ourselves in that position. Uh, Now let's look at Proverbs 17, and we're going to look at verses 27 and 28. Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28. And this I'll start with the New King James Version. It says, he who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. The Amplified puts it this way. He who has knowledge restrains and is careful with his words. And a man of understanding and wisdom has a cool spirit, self-control, and even temper. Even a callous, arrogant fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is regarded as sensible, prudent, discreet and a man of understanding. And the message says, the one who knows much says little. An understanding person remains calm. And I love this. Even dunces who keep quiet are thought to be wise. As long as they keep their mouths shut, they're smart. That, that says a lot. Now this is actually the perfect segue into something else that I wanna share. We've talked about parents and grandparents and caregivers and children. Now we're going to spend a little time on husbands and wives. Turn with me to Ephesians 5, and we're going to look at verses 25 and 27. And notice it says husbands. Everybody always refers to it as husbands and wives not wives and husbands. There's a reason for that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But let's look at Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27 in the Amplified. It says, Husbands, love your wives. Seek the, now this is the qualifier. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word of God, not his words, but the word of God, so that in turn he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy, set apart for God and blameless. Now, if we look at this in the message, it says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness, And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one 
in marriage, which I thought was just wonderful. So now we're going to get a chance to talk to the husbands. And this is really good because, you know, sometimes we have single men here who are not husbands yet. But you can still learn from anything having to do with husbands, especially if one day you intend to or want to be married. The first thing that I can say is that you need to cherish your wife. I mean, really cherish her. Not just like, okay, yeah, that's my wife. Oh, that's wonderful. No, 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 no. You need to cherish every day that you have with her. Now, I am not silly. It's not like I don't, all right, let me back up. I feel that when it comes to marriage, I can impart something to this. Because in April, Stan and I will be married for 44 years. Okay, that's some time spent, okay? So there are some things. Yeah, praise the Lord. He put up with me for 44 years. He deserves that, okay? Um, What I'm saying is, you know, there's some things. And I don't believe, you know, you hear people say marriage is hard, marriage is a lot of work. I don't believe any of that, okay? I don't think it's hard, and I don't think it's a lot of work. Now, that could be because I have a great husband who puts up with me. But whatever, I prayed for him, so that's note to you. (laughs) You should pray for the one that, that you want to marry. But either way, men, you need to cherish her. I'm sure that there will be days that she's pushing you right over that edge, you know, and you really want to just say, Lord, why did you give her to me? But he did, and you chose her. So the thing that you have to remember is that I don't care what it is that she's doing that may really push you to that edge. I want you to remember this. If she were not there to do it, Just imagine her all of a sudden being gone. You would miss every single thing about her, even those things that push you to that very edge. So instead of having to wait till that point, cherish her while you have her. Cherish the time because tomorrow is not promised to any of us. So you need to cherish the time that you have with her. Love her with every fiber of your being unconditionally. The scripture just told us, as Christ loved the church. Make sacrifices for her. One of the most annoying things is you see a man who comes, now that doesn't happen with any of our warriors here, okay? I call them kingdom warriors, our men at Crenshaw. But you will see men come in dressed like they stepping off of the, you know, cover of GQ. And then here come the wife and children, and you like wonder, well, did you spend any money on them? You know, like, did you allow her to get clothes for them? You know, but he's looking sharp. I mean, he looks like, "Uh uh-uh, something's wrong with that. It should not be that way. You should sacrifice for her and want her to have the best. And you take second best if that's what it needs to be. Because if you do that, then you are truly being a kingdom warrior because you are sacrificing for her the same way that Christ did for the church. He gave his life for the church, okay? Now, also, she's a part of you. So do you love and care about yourself? I mean, do you really love yourself? Do you care about yourself? Well, then you need to be doing even more for her because she's a part of you. The two of you really are one. Don't ever, under any circumstances, walk away if you have to. Don't ever speak any unkind word to her or about her. Because if you do, you are only talking about yourself. Because the two of you are one. 
Remember this, you, once upon a time, you may have gotten down on one knee or not, but you still proposed to her. You still asked her to be part of your life. Don't ever forget that because that was a choice that you made. Nobody held a gun to your head. Now, or hopefully they didn't. I mean, I know that there still are shotgun weddings and stuff, you know, but I mean, I'm not speaking of that. The norm is that you actually asked her. <laughs> no one held a gun to your head. Do not have unfair expectations. Now, this is where even our kingdom warriors sometimes, not necessarily here, but, you know, men of God sometimes do. They still want their wives to look exactly like they looked on the day they said, I do. Okay? That, I have to tell you, is an unfair expectation. You have to realize that childbirth child rearing, taking care of a household, and taking care of you cost her something, cost her a lot, okay? And she may not look like that fine little young thing you first married, but her wisdom, trustworthiness, hard work, strength, and honor count for far more. As a matter of fact, turn with me to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, and we're going to look at Verses 25 through 31. And please give me like two more minutes because I really want to complete these scriptures. So if we look at it in the King James Version, it says, Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And the Amplified says it like this, strength and dignity are her clothing and her position is strong and secure. And she smiles at the future, knowing that she and her family are prepared. She opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue, giving counsel and instruction. She looks well to how things go in her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, happy, prosperous to be admired. Her husband also, and he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly and well with the strength of character that is steadfast in goodness, but you excel them all. Charm and grace are deceptive and superficial beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, reverently worshiping, obeying, serving, and trusting him with awe-filled respect, she shall be praised. Give her of the product of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates of the city. Husbands, treasure your wives. Encourage them. Let them know that you appreciate them. Because you see, when you do that, God will honor your heart in everything that you do. Whereas when you don't do that, that's not pleasing in his sight. 
And you may wonder sometimes why aren't certain things manifesting as quickly as you think they should. Maybe you need to take a moment, press the pause button and see how are you treating? How are you speaking? How are you encouraging? What are you doing exactly with your wives? Even the world knows it because I think it was James Ingram who even had a song that said, find 100 ways. In other words, don't just think I'm a Christian, she's a Christian, I'm the head of the house, she just has to listen to whatever it is that I say. No, 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 no. You need to take whatever time you have and truly, truly appreciate her and let her know how much you do, not just on her birthday or Christmas, on Mother's Day. You need to make sure she knows it every day that you are together because again, tomorrow what? Is not promised to any of us. Now ladies, I've already talked about the men and the husbands, so you know I have to spend a little time talking about us. So ladies, my sisters in Christ. We are daughters of the king. And if we are blessed to have a husband, what exactly are our responsibilities? Now, ladies believing for a husband should also take note of this too, because it's going to apply to you as well. And it's going to have to apply next time, because I'm out of time. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.